Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. I'm Stacey Marie Ishmael, Managing Editor of Crypto for Bloomberg News. And this is Bloomberg Crypto, a daily Bloomberg iHeart podcast. It's Wednesday, August 24th. a lot about Bitcoin on this podcast, the world's oldest, largest, and still most popular cryptocurrency. But today we're really going to focus on the number two token, Ether, and the blockchain it's built on. Ether's market value is still about half that of Bitcoin's. But a recent surge, a whopping 50% since mid-June, has some fans hoping it'll unseat that number one crypto. There's even a word for this theoretical event. It's called the flippening. So could Ether overtake Bitcoin, which would upend more than a decade's worth of dominance? And what would that mean for the future of crypto? To better explain what exactly the flippening is, I'm joined by Bloomberg reporters Olga Karif. It's been in the works for years and years, and it's been delayed so many times. And Vildana Herrick. It just has a lot of people excited in terms of pitting the two against each other. Olga, Vildana, what a pleasure to have you both here. We are going to talk about Ether today. How exciting. Which seems to be, it is very exciting. It seems to be the thing that everybody's talking about. But we have to explain why it's exciting to us, because I feel like our threshold for excitement is probably different from the general population. So, Olga, I'm going to start with you. You know, we're still in a crypto environment of mostly falling prices. We're still in a market in which Bitcoin remains number one by pretty much every metric. But there's been, you know, just in, especially in the past couple of weeks, significantly more interest and activity around Ether and the Ethereum blockchain. What's going on? So what's driving all of this excitement is that finally uh, the so-called Ethereum merge is drawing near. What it is is basically a software upgrade to the Ethereum blockchain, which will make the blockchain much more energy efficient. And it's been in the works for years and years, and it's been delayed so many times. And now finally, finally, we have a date or sort of a date range. We we think it's going to happen in September. So uh, investors are super excited about this. There is a lot of enthusiasm around Ethereum with the fact that this upgrade looks likely in the middle of September. So we have a date for it. It looks like things are on track. And so there's really a lot of enthusiasm right now about its potential to perform in the coming months. But why are they excited? What exactly does this software upgrade enable that is causing you know Ether prices to rally? So today, the way uh, transactions are ordered on the Ethereum blockchain is so-called miners use very power-hungry computers to do the job. Essentially, they solve very complex mathematical problems uh, to order transactions. And after the merge, after the software upgrade, what we'll have is essentially a much more energy efficient way 
to do the same task. Ethereum will become about 99% more energy efficient. And the way this will be done is that the transaction ordering will be done by so-called validators, which will be essentially entities that use stacks of coins to order transactions. Investors and basically developers and users of the blockchain are excited about the potential of uh, having a, a more energy-efficient blockchain. And Voldana, how has that excitement manifested in prices? Prices, as we just mentioned, have been rallying and, and they've actually been surging. So if we look maybe over the mid-July to the mid-August period, Ether alone has surged about 50%. And so when I say surging, I really mean surging. It's just been bonkers to be watching some of these charts. But just to, to give a little bit more context, if I can take a, just a small step back, this is important because Bitcoin has always been seen as sort of the supreme leader of the crypto space. It's the original cryptocurrency. It's been around the longest. It has the best name recognition. Even if you ask people on the street about crypto, they might use Bitcoin to mean crypto. It's just something that the greatest number of people are familiar with. And so to see mm-hmm. Ether rallying, Ether is the number two token uh, by market value. To see it rallying, it it just has a lot of people excited in terms of pitting the two against each other. And many investors looking at the prices and thinking that maybe, just possibly, Ether's surge could help overtake it in terms of market dominance versus Bitcoin. Now, there's a word for this potential overtaking, which is, as are many things in crypto, slightly ridiculous. And it's it's the <laughs> flippening. The flippening, yes, that's right. The flippening. But I mean, Ether's market value, the last time I checked, was, you know, 200, maybe 210 billion. Bitcoin is more than twice that. Like, we would have to be talking hella surge yeah, for, hella surge. That's for this to happen. <laughs> why Why are people betting, betting on a hella surge in addition to the price activity we're seeing right now? So, so Bitcoin's market cap in mid-August was about 460 billion. Ethers is about 230 billion. So what these what the flippening potentially signifies is that we would see Ethers market value be higher than Bitcoin's. As you said, the gap is still very, very large. It's huge. It would have to double. I think partly it's a little bit of speculation where you have investors who are looking to take advantage of the price rally, potentially getting in, thinking that others are going to be doing the same and that the price can continue to skyrocket as it has been. And I mean, it's it's a little bit funny because the notes that I get in my inbox, they in a very cute, cutesy way say when flippening, W-E-N, flippening, mm-hmm. meaning when is it potentially going to be happening? It's just sort of crypto slang for when this event might occur where you have Ether surpassing Bitcoin, but the reasoning behind it is sort of, you know, from, from the investors I'm, I'm speaking with, they're excited about Ether, they're excited about the potential possibilities, the, en- the you know, saving energy when this upgrade does happen. And then I think the other side also being that it is a little bit of speculation where people are trying to take advantage of the rally. A little bit or a lot of speculation, depending on the date. But Olga, I want to go back to something that you said, you know, that one of the biggest changes here is the the overall energy efficiency 
or, you know, what fans are saying will be like a much improved energy efficient situation, that doesn't seem like something like an end user necessarily cares about, right? It's like, okay, great, this thing that I'm invested in is no longer as harmful for the environment, like good, <laughs> but not does not necessarily have like an immediate price impact. Are there other things in addition to the speculation or the possibility of speculation that Valdana mentioned that people are betting on in the future? People are betting that because uh, Ethereum is now going to be very different from Bitcoin in terms of its uh, ESG profile in terms of its environmental impact. Uh, people are betting that uh, many institutional investors who have avoided crypto because of its environmental impact will actually give Ethereum a second look. Uh, maybe some investors who are not interested in Bitcoin because it's such a big uh, gobbler of energy. And also people are excited about future upgrades to Ethereum. You know, this is not the last one. This is a very, very major upgrade, probably the most ambitious upgrade to any blockchain ever. But once it's completed, there, there are more changes planned. And, you know, if this upgrade goes uh, without a hitch or <laughs> with, with maybe just a few hiccups, then people are going to feel very confident in the community of developers behind Ethereum and feel confident that they will implement further upgrades that will increase the blockchain's capacity and implement a host of other features which will be super attractive for application developers and could further expand the ecosystem of Ethereum. So I'm hearing I'm hearing a couple of things from you. The first is that this move to improved energy efficiency makes it more attractive, as you've said, to a certain kind of institutional investor who might have commitments or requirements or constraints around, you know, the the ESG, like the green stamp of approval on a particular investment in their portfolio. And there are, frankly, lots of those kinds of investors out there and they control a heroic amount of capital. But the other thing I'm hearing is folks see this as something that unlocks future value. And I really do want to emphasize, you know, both of you have described this as a software upgrade and it's like, it's really a software upgrade, right? It's like a bunch of computers that are going to get new software that is going to enable different things. But as we also know, software upgrades sometimes go terribly wrong. <laughs> like you install the latest operation on your machine and suddenly none of your apps will open or your phone refuses to charge. You know, I think the technical glitches are a real thing. What are some of the concerns that people have around this? Basically, when you look at the history of upgrades in Ethereum or other blockchains, very often you see problems shortly after the upgrade, and they can last for weeks or even months. If we look at 2016, when Ethereum, for example, went through a different so-called fork, uh, essentially, it split into two different blockchains. One was uh, the current version, the main version that's running today. The second was Ethereum Classic, which kind of stayed with the previous software version. What happened shortly after the, the shift to the new software was, for example, there were a lot of replay attacks where the same coin was sort of being spent twice. And there can be all kinds of bugs found in in 
software, of course, this mm-hmm. this <laughs> this new uh, Ethereum software that's going to be implemented in September. I mean, arguably, it's been tested to death, but still, you know, it's <laughs> it's been tested in so-called test nets, which are essentially, you know, smaller versions of the the big change that's coming but you know a test is never the real thing so you cannot test mm-hmm. every sort of use case you cannot always find out you know all the <laughs> different bugs that somebody might want to exploit when when uh, the shift happens so i think a lot of people wouldn't be surprised to see a bunch of replay attacks and other hiccups when the shift does happen and a replay attack is kind of, you know, your worst nightmare if your proposition is there can be only one of anything and that's part of part of the appeal of this thing. It's like, no, actually there can be two. <laughs> and and that, that seems like a big problem for folks for folks involved. Up next, you'll hear more from Bloomberg reporters Olga Karif and Vildana Herrick on what the flipping might mean for the future of the digital asset market. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. Vildana, I want to ask you just a question about a story that you wrote about how crypto derivatives and specifically um, are signaling that this rally in Ether might not in fact have legs. This is really interesting. And it's, it's almost like the story that's happening around this right now, especially in, you know, when you're watching the, the markets. As Olga mentioned, there's a lot of people saying that the upgrade might not go as smoothly that a lot of things could still go wrong. I've had more than one analyst or, you know, somebody, a market watcher, somebody who's watching the space very closely say to me that consensus almost seems to be that everything will go right. And if it doesn't, then, you know, (laughs) a lot of people might not be positioned for that. So Mm -hmm. like we said, there's this huge rally and then we have investors still betting that the rally can continue. And if we look at the derivatives market, we have derivatives traders buying options to bet that Ether will continue to advance into the merge. So into September, as Olga mentioned, we think it will happen sometime in September. And we also have traders positioning for a sell the news type of event once the actual merge takes place. So This is a little bit complex, but maybe we can speak about it in a sort of simple way. There's a lot of call option buying. So call options, people are betting on further upside and price going up, the price going up. That's right. Into the merge. And then they're buying downside protection for after it happens. And and the options market is showing us this. The derivatives market is showing us this. They're buying downside Mm -hmm. protection for after the event. So after September, people are positioning in a way that they think that the price actually might go down. And they're positioning for it right now because they're trying to take advantage of it when it actually happens. So everything we're talking about, we can actually see it sort of playing out in the market and what investors, what these professional investors are uh, thinking might happen and how it might play out. 
So if we were to draw this on a chart, essentially the 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 options market is showing the price of Ether continuing to rally up to about the middle of September, which is when the merge is hope, people are hoping that it will finally happen, and then declining fairly steadily after after that point. What are kind of the the price extremes? Like what is the expected high and what is the sort of the lowest that folks are currently betting on? So in mid-August, we have Ether trading around 1800 1900 And then the options market is showing that a lot of traders are betting it could hit 2200 but even as far as 5000 So that would be huge. That would be this 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 hella rally. That would be the flippening, right? That would yeah. be that yeah. hella hella rally or whatever we called it earlier. Uh, so mm-hmm. so yeah, there's a lot of 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 betting on the price really continuing to surge. So Vildana, we have this, you know, an options and derivatives pretty liquid market, pretty large, a lot of people who supposedly know what they're doing in there. Do other types of investors look at this to get cues on what could happen to their portfolios? I think we can make a parallel to the stock market where you also have derivatives traders, professional investors looking at maybe a certain event. So for example, maybe a company uh, announcing their earnings results and then you have investors betting on how the stock might move and Mm -hmm. they might be looking at historical precedent. Maybe Netflix is a good example of this because it tends to swing just hugely when it reports earnings like we tend to see double digit moves for for the stock on its uh, post earnings announcements so maybe we can make a parallel to something like that where you have a lot of people trying to take advantage of the same event trying to position themselves in a way that they think they can actually make money off of it but I think it's very tough because it doesn't always play out the way even that the herd thinks it might. Right. Groupthink is not always correct, in other words. Well, Olga, Voldana, it is always a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for having us. You can find more of both their reporting on the Bloomberg Terminal on Bloomberg.com or follow them on Twitter. Olga is at Olga Karif. That's O-L-G-A-K-H-A-R-I-F. And Vildana is at Vildana Herrick. That's V-I-L-D-A-N-A-H-A-J-R-I-C. On the next episode of Bloomberg Crypto, this crypto winter has resulted in significant individual losses, as well as a handful of company bankruptcy filings and more than one CEO looking for a new job. Join us for a discussion about one of the more prominent figures in Bitcoin, Michael Saylor, the now former CEO of MicroStrategy. This is Bloomberg Crypto, a daily podcast from Bloomberg and iHeartRadio. For more shows from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Send us your comments, questions, or suggestions for the show to crypto at Bloomberg.net. Or find us on Twitter, we're at Crypto. The supervising producer of Bloomberg Crypto is Vicky Vergolina. Our senior producer is Janet Babin. Our producer is Sharon Barrero. Associate producer is Ty Butler. Desta Wonderad is our engineer. Original music by Leo Sidron. I'm Stacey Marie Ishmael. We'll be back tomorrow.
The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com.